We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire DFS podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hayes, joined as always by Benny Ricciardi as we break down the Thursday GPP ownership percentages and cover the Saturday NBA slate. You can always find Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and over at Rotocurve, Rotowire, and as a featured writer on the DraftKings playbook. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Josh Hayes FS. Benicio, welcome to the weekend, sir. Yeah, that's it, man. Friday, uh, my weekend doesn't really start until my wife gets home from work on Friday. I still have work to do and kids to watch. So, Oh, you're telling me. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I've got another, I got my Saturday um, FanDuel article due, so that's still happening. I got, I think, three more podcasts or um, articles to produce. And I got baby number two on deck as of December 1st. So it's all like... You know, can you do 10 million things while you're working two jobs? I'm like, um, sure. I don't have a choice, do I? So <laughs> you know what we're going to do, though? We're going to try to like make everybody's life a little bit easier with some cash here in DFS for Week 11 for NFL and for Saturday uh, on the NBA slate. So if we can do that, that's going to help everybody's cause out. Yeah, um, I mean, Black Friday is coming up. I need some. I need some cash, so that'll be good. Yes. All right, so um, I could use – you know what? I could use a new TV. Uh, I think that's what I'm going to be shooting for this weekend. The Rotowire DFS podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you get a chance to rate and review us, please go ahead and do so. And don't forget to share and subscribe. All right, we're going to go ahead and kick it off like we always do on the NFL side with our Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders combo show. 
And we'll start with the Week 11 FanDuel GPP ownership percentages. So just a quick recap of what shook down here for the people who did play some Jags and some Titans. Allen Robinson was the heavily owned player at 28.9%. I think he maybe about paid off the tag. Does that sound about right, but not um, didn't hit you a home run? No one really hit you a home run in this game. Anyhow. Yeah, no, there wasn't a lot. I think I think A Rob might have been the best. We have like a hundred yards and eight catches or something, like maybe fifteen, sixteen fantasy points. I mean, he was he was useful. He wasn't right. bad. Right. You would have liked him to get into the end zone, you know, throw that red zone target to him over Julius Thomas. But uh, overall, yeah, Blake Bortles thirteen point seven percent own. Hearns ten point seven. Mario to six point six. Anybody who created GPPs with any of those shares of quarterbacks, you're, they're losing. So, I mean, I hate to rain on your parade, but that's just what it's um, decided to do. You know what I am pissed off about, though, Benny? Um, the Jags in their freaking Gus Bradley's play call of Denard Robinson for three straight plays at the goal line. I understand the situation of burning the clock. And, you know, and first of all, why is Denard Robinson a better red zone back than TJ Yeldon? That makes zero sense to me, first of all. Second of all, how can you not at least when when Blake Bortles threw you all the way down into like the five or the red zone, the eight or whatever it was from, you know, what, 80 yards of of uh, of that fourth quarter drive and you're not Mm going to give him one shot to throw it into the end zone. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, and I don't know why, but they're not they're not big fans of Yeldon in the red zone anyway. I mean, they were running Toby Gerhardt earlier in the year as their red zone back. So I guess they figured now that, you know, Gerhardt has been demoted, I guess it's, you know, Denard Robinson's job. I I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me either, but. Yeah, this whole notion you know. of like how a, a, a guy who's second or third on your depth chart is somehow better in a better option than a red zone to me kills me personally. Yeah. Uh, you know, you drafted TJ Yeldon at the top of the second round for him to sit on the sidelines and sip some Gatorade while Denard Robinson and Toby Gerhardt handle the red. Come on, you've got to you got to be killing me here. So I mean, if you have if you have a scat back as your number one back, you know, a guy who's like a little bit more of an outside the tackles kind of guy, and you know, like a guy that you throw swing passes to, then I get it that you're bringing in a bigger back, but. I think Yeldon's actually the bigger back compared to Robinson, though. He is, and he's actually yes. pretty decent out of the backfield, too. Yeldon can catch passes, so he's versatile yeah. enough to do either one. So it's not like, oh, they're, you know, this is their version of Denard Robinson slash Darren Sproles on the Jags. Yeah. They ran him three times in the goal line, the smaller back, up the middle. That's, yeah, that's what doesn't make much sense to me. Like, normally... When a team does that, if you're taking out the you know the scat back type to put in the big guy, I understand it. But right. if you're taking out the you know your your bigger back to put in the, the guy in- who you should be kicking it outside to, it makes right. no sense. They inserted the scat back who's smaller to run him up the middle, which is like blows my mind. I, I wanted to like punch every TV I saw. Oh, it was just re- re- really, really ridiculous. And, you know, the, at least you could have justified, okay, Toby Gerhardt up the middle. He's the biggest back you have, you mm-hmm. know, but no. All right, so I'll just digress from that. And let's go ahead and get this uh, show started here with the GPP ownership percentage at the quarterback position. Are you surprised at Derek Carr up top here at 16.1% above Tom Brady at 9.3 and Cam Newton at 117 I'm actually not because I do love this spot for Carr this week, and I also think that his it's a, it has more to do with price than it does with you know people think Carr's better than Brady. It has to do with people think Carr's better than Brady for the price he's being you know offered at as opposed to the price that Brady's being offered at. So I actually had Carr in the uh, Thursday lock um, Fanduel fifty fifties that I played. So this doesn't shock me at all. The one thing I want people to realize, too, is, you know, he's 16% with 20% of the field being on 
Bortles and Mariota last night. So his number is probably going to be above 20 when you, you know, Sunday rolls around, especially because he's one of the guys that's easy to swerve from one of those guys too, because the price range is kind of the same. Whereas if you want to go up to a Newton or a Brady, you know, you really got to make some other changes in your roster to fit those guys in. So if we even saw Carr at 20 to 25%, I would not really be all that shocked about it this weekend. Yeah, I I would I agree that there were there as well. I think that we've just people have seen the, and seen the projections and the spot and the price dis- discount that you're getting on Carr and him performing as a top five quarterback, um, you know, up to this point in the season are driving Derek Carr out of GPP territory for me. Well, you you would you agree disagree here? How, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I still like him for cash. I still think that he's in a great spot. That Detroit defense isn't really scaring me all that much, but. Mm-hmm. If he's going to be 25% owned, I'm going to try to go a different way because not only is he going to be 25% owned, but you'll see when we get down to the wide receivers that both of his wide receivers are you know, pretty high up on that list as well. And I just don't know if they're going to score the six touchdowns or five touchdowns they're going to need to support Carr and two stud wide receivers all being in the 25% plus range. To me, this this you know I know Detroit's bad. I know Oakland's pass game has been good lately, but... I think it's a little bit of a stretch to think they're going to do that well. Yeah, um, I, I agree with with you there as well. So, I'm, I'm, for me, I think I'm still preferring Tom Brady for cash games, and Derek Carr is a fine option. You get to, you get a nice cost saving, which you normally don't um, have available to you because you're using a, a top chalk option when you go with cash games and Derek Carr. So I get it, I understand it. Um, I just don't think he is going to be uh, somebody. You know, when you see 16.7 where we're at right now, or 16.1, that's going to be closer to the 18 to 19 range, probably maybe even 20 percent. Um, come Sunday lock, which is going to be a guy that you don't want for for GPPs uh, mm-hmm. overall. Now, at Tom Brady at nine point three percent, we expect that to jump up over ten. Can he can be can be can he be considered GPP eligible, or do we need to look further down the list? I think you actually can look at him this week because with Edelman out now and with Deion Lewis no longer a thing you know that there are some wide receivers that open up that are pretty cheap that would allow you to play him. So if you want to stack him up with, you know, a guy like Amendola, which is very popular this week, um, or even a guy like LaFell, who I feel like people are just, like, completely discounting. Everybody's, like, falling in love with Amendola because Edelman, you know, went down. I mean, remember, they paid all that money to Amendola to basically be Edelman Mm -hmm. when they brought him over there, and Edelman beat him out for that spot, and Amendola's been... You know, basically a backup, you know, afterthought also ran pretty much since that point. So I don't think it's like a slam dunk that you're just going to take Amendola and he's just all of a sudden going to be Edelman and get 15 targets and 11 catches and 110 yards and a touchdown. You know, I'm not saying I don't like Amendola in that spot. But again, if you can get one of those cheap guys and put him with Brady, you can still build a pretty good lineup around it. So, you know. I mean, I usually don't pay up that high for a quarterback because you really need him to go crazy. But then again, he did kind of go crazy against Buffalo in week two earlier this year. You know that Buffalo is not an easy team to run against. You know they're going to be throwing the ball. You could see 40 to 50 pass attempts from Brady. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he had 350 and three touchdowns or more this weekend. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, you know, I think he, I can, I'm going to probably get some shares of him in GPPs. Um, but I also want to take a couple shares of some other guys here um, that, uh, that you can slide a little bit further down. Matt Bryan has been a guy who's 
Oh, I've stacked and haven't really stacked unsuccessfully unsuc- uh, overall. I think we've because of the emergence of Devontae Freeman, it's sort of taken the early season, you know, uh, hubbub that we had with with the with the Matt Ryan to Julio stack. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I really want that. I am probably going to go Philip Rivers, Stevie Johnson. It's, Stevie Johnson is actually not like a popular, you know, oh, here's my top stack option because you're going to be able to use some number one wide receivers because of the price cost that you're able to afford with Stevie Johnson. So I'll have some mm-hmm. shares there. Um, mm-hmm. And then Aaron Rodgers, uh, this is – I don't know how many times I have to put my faith in this guy. Um, but I think what I'm going to do differently with Aaron Rodgers is still use him in GPPs. And I know it's a little bit of a tougher matchup against Minnesota, but this is a division game. This is actually a game they need to have. First of all, and the run game isn't really in the best shape. Starks is decent, but he um, hasn't been like running for 100 yards consistently or anything like that. He's, but he has been a good factor in the passing game. What I will probably do is not have to not worry about trying to stack him with Cobb because he's been spreading the ball around so much that you don't have to you you don't get burned by not having you know Cobb or James Jones or you know wh- whoever the, the Devonte Adams who's probably been the, the most productive of the three over the yeah, last past I, weeks. I actually I actually like um Rodgers and Adams as a stack this week. I mean Adams saw 20 targets last week. Now I know he didn't do a ton with them, right. but I mean 20 targets is 20 targets. Yeah. That's, you know, if you're going to see that kind of production at a, a cheaper price, I think that at the very least you're somebody that's that's going to be in play. Yeah, so you know Rodgers is probably going to be my favorite GPP play because um, of the low ownership percentage and people feel like he's actually underproduced but he's produced at a fine level like not you're, you're he has a um you know top 10 projection still everywhere but people take a look at um you know the losses and they say oh you know Aaron Rodgers isn't playing well he threw for four touchdowns against Carolina mm-hmm. all right 333 and two scores for 25 fantasy points against Detroit Lions then there's the big dud one of the worst games of his career against Denver Broncos then before that he was you decent. He didn't kill you. It was like two fifty five and two scores and two forty and two scores against a good Rams defense. So, mm-hmm. um, and people need to remember three thirty three and five scores that happened this season against a pretty good Kansas City Chiefs defense that just um, you know handed uh, the Denver Broncos their derriere. Now, granted, Peyton Manning had one of the worst games of his career, but you know, um, Kansas City was supposed to be one of the better defenses, the top ten defense, you know, coming into the league, and you know. He, Rogers puts five scores up, so the ceiling is still there. It's always been mm-hmm. there. People have just sort of been fed up with not getting the production and falling in love with guys who've produced more lately, like Derek Carr. So, yep. All right. Uh, any other guys that you want to mention at QB before we move along? Yeah, I actually pretty much agree completely with your list. The two other guys I'm going to throw in there, I'm going to have a couple shares of Mark Sanchez to Jordan Matthews this week, and even Ertz. Ertz has been playing a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, GPP only, not something I'm going to use in cash, but. Remember, Sanchez looked pretty good running that offense last year, so I do think that there's a little bit of merit into using him. And the guy who I have that I, you know, I, I might be on an island, but to me, Tyrod Taylor is somebody who's back in play. And the first time they met against New England, he had 29 DraftKings points in that game. The thing I like about Tyrod is he's going to run a little bit, and you know he's going to be dropping back to pass a lot. You know, the thing about New England that we always say, it's not that their defense is good. But their offense is so good that it forces you to be one-dimensional. And that one dimension is throwing the ball. And Taylor is a guy that when he drops back the throw, not only is he going to pick up some yards in the air, but you know he's going to be scrambling out of the pocket and picking up some yards with his feet that way. So I think you can get a really good game out of him at a really low price. And he's only 1.5% owned. So I am definitely going to have some shares of Tyrod in uh, tournaments. I may even use him by himself without any of the pass catchers over there. 
don't really love Sammy Watkins. You know, Charles Clay is a guy who I like, but I think there's some better tight end options. But I could definitely see myself having a, um, you know, a roster with Tyrod by himself, not using any of his pass catchers. You know, hoping he throws me a touchdown, 200 yards, gets another 50 on the ground, and maybe gets in there with his feet and, you know, winds up with 20 points again, uh, you know, at a pretty low cost. Yeah. I could see that there as well. You know, Tyrod Taylor before he had that stretch where he missed a couple of games because he was injured. It was a very popular, um, you know, DFS GFS GPP play, and even got some running a little bit of cash. So at one point four percent, you know, tick that up to what three three percent ish going into the weekend. I'm totally fine with that. So um, that that makes a lot of sense. So I think we've adequately covered the quarterback position here. Let's go ahead and dive into running backs for their Chartandrick West as predicted 30 percent plus ownership and for good reason i think this is i'm a little bit surprised that this happened this much on fanduel because they actually did a better job of price adjusting charkandrick west than DraftKings did DraftKings is insane by the way okay did you yeah. see what they did with with west yeah well i was just about to ask you i mean he's 34 percent at the price he was at on fanduel Duel. What do you think he's going to be on DraftKings at 4500 40 plus, for sure. I, I mean, dro- I actually even said over 50 was my guess. Well, I think he's over 50% owned in, in, like, a big tournament. Right. You know what, though? Here in the, we This is that same sort of um, Devontae Adams week one situation here. And um, I talked about this, um, you know, in an interview that I did um, for Pro Football Focus with Jonathan Bales. And it's just a situation where you know everybody was going to own Devontae Adams because he was, like, near min price. And he was supposed mm-hmm. to be in the Jordy role, and everybody was like, mm-hmm. "Okay, this is you know as close as we're going to get to Jordy right now with Devontae mm-hmm. Adams right on the outside on the right." And um, they're like, "We know everybody's going to own him, and um, what you do is you just you have to stick with the public um, in this spot because mm-hmm. you are afforded such a cost savings, and you're gonna and you have a, a good expectation for the production level that if you don't use him, and you have to try to make it work with." fewer salary dollars because you spent more on a running back than you than everybody else is on charkendrick west then you pigeonhole yourself um in terms of your overall ceiling so i mean and we've seen it already this year like with Gurley when he was 5100 yeah even carlos williams that week that he was like 32 or 3300 sometimes when a guy is just that cheap you know, you, you try to outsmart yourself as well. I'm going to go away from because, all right, fine. I will take my 20 points at 4,500 yeah. and, you know, go ahead. Try to beat me. Find somebody. Else. If there was somebody else that was that obvious at that price that you can use, mm-hmm. we'd all be using him instead or we'd be using him too as the other running back. But, you know, for me, I think that there's two ways that you can handle West this week. And you either, you know, if he's going to be 40 or 50% owned, you're either 100% all in on him in your tournament rosters mm-hmm. or you're or like 90% all in. You know, you don't got to use them on everyone, but you either use them on the predominant amount of your rosters or you don't use them at all. And I can't see myself not using them at all at 4,500 on DraftKings. Uh, Fandle, I guess there's a little bit more of a case to be made that you can fade him because there are some other guys that aren't too expensive or too cheap in that kind of in that price range but he's still the best one of them all um you know i mean again like it's a, we're not just talking about using this guy because he's cheap he's had 20 DraftKings points in the last three weeks he scored a touchdown in every game since he took over for jamal charles he catches a few passes he's getting 20 plus touches like this isn't just a oh he's cheap so we're going to use him kind of play this is a he's been playing well and he's cheap so we got to use him kind of play and that's you know what i want people to realize is 
you know, you don't just fade this guy for the sake of fading him. He's still probably in the best spot this weekend. Yeah, I totally agree with you there as well. And you have the same sort of situation too, which makes this a little bit tougher because usually you're only in one spot with this, but you're actually in two with Danny Amendola this week. So we'll we'll see who wants to who who wants to like you know spin the roulette wheel and say I'm not using either of these guys. I'm going to go mm-hmm. away from them altogether. I think you actually can do this in some at some level because. This week, above so many others, you have – and I was talking about this with Renee Miller from ESPN – is that we have like a glutton of running backs like in the – you know on DK, like the 6K-ish range, 5,500, 5,500, 6,500 that all mm-hmm. you can all make a case for. So you can create a lot of GPP differentiation and still succeed, um, but you're going to have to make – you're still going to have to make you know, like a 2K salary sacrifice for some of the, t- some, some of the bigger names. Maybe mm-hmm. 3K if you use Todd Gurley. So um, – I don't. I'm not saying that you can't win if you fade Shark Kendrick West. I if if I, I get to the point where you know I've run around run out of the like necessary combos, or I think you can almost um like value town yourself, so to speak, for to just use a poker reference. Where what you do is you um, try so hard to to get your value plays into your lineup that you actually um, lower your overall ceiling because you didn't use enough studs. Does that make mm-hmm. some sense to you? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I mean that's you know that's the problem. Not even a problem. I mean it's a good problem to have this week. But right. you know I could put together a roster that I like every single guy on the roster and still have fifteen thousand dollars left over on the salary cap mm-hmm. because there's just so many cheap options. So at that point you're it's not even that you're fading those guys, but it's just basically like if you have that kind of money left over, yeah, you know these guys might be the best values, but. With the money you have left over, can you find somebody that can give you more upside? Like, you don't need the value. Like, I feel like I could fit easily on FanDuel this week. You could go after, like, you know, the big-time kickers like the McManuses of the world and, and the Goskowskis and pay up for them without much of an issue because you don't have to, you know, there's so many guys that are at that low end that you could use to throw in there that, you know, you don't really have to like force somebody in there. You know, there's you know guys like Amendola are in a great spot. Stevie Johnson are in a great spot. Charkandrick West in a great spot, and they're all so cheap that you know you basically have to try to say, okay, I'm going to use this one and this one and fade that one. And to me, I think it's a lot harder to fade a cheap running back than it is to fade a cheap wide receiver. Yeah, because you know wide receiver like the running backs that are cheap that are guaranteed touches like Charkandrick West. It's guaranteed touches. The only thing that's going to keep him from getting 15 to 20 touches in this game is an injury. Whereas, you know, with wide receivers, they're always game flow dependent. And, you know, some teams might try to take a guy away. You know, not that I'm game planning around Danny Amendola or anything like that. But, you know, it, it does happen more often where a wide receiver gets taken out of a game than it does with a running back. With a cheap running back in a good spot and a good matchup. You know, that's why I said, I mean, I'm not going to be fading West anywhere in any kind of tournament, I don't think. And even in cash games, he's basically a cash game lock for me as well. Yeah, I totally agree with you there as well. So if we are going to lock him in one spot, let's go ahead and talk about the rest of the guys on this list here. Devontae Freeman, Lamar Miller, Gurley, Adrian Peterson. Devontae at 25, Miller 18.3, then Gurley at 13.5, Adrian Peterson 11.7, and rounding out the top five outside of Cartagendrick West with Jeremy Langford at 10.9. Your thoughts on this group? All right, well, let's start at the bottom and work our way up. First off, I think Langford and Peterson are really risky for a Thursday lock game. Uh, Peterson hasn't really practiced. He's got like a barking groin or hamstring injury or something like that. 
I'm not saying don't play him. He is actually one of my top running backs for this week if the matchup and he is playing. Just be aware and make sure you check on it because if he is out, you know, obviously that's going to knock out a whole bunch of people in Thursday tournaments that put him in there. So just keep an eye on him because there has been some injury news. <clears throat> now, as for Langford, Forte might be back this week. There's some rumblings of that. So if Forte's back, mm-hmm. I still think Langford, you know, Langford gets some carries, but he's obviously not going to get as many carries. There's going to be some kind of split. Forte's going to take some of that work. So that would take him completely off the table for me. I do have an update there in that spot. Okay, I, w- I went on a mini rant on Fantasy Football Insider, the show that I host and own this morning um, that I'm getting ready to post here um, as soon as this show's done and said that, you know, Forte didn't practice Thursday. This is the third straight game where he's projected to potentially not play. And this whole I talked about this before. This whole day to day business with John Fox is a straight up sham. OK, he's got a multi week MCL sprain injury. All right. And he's been trying to do the whole Bill Belichick be super vague about injuries for, you know, um, competitive advantage, um, you know, purposes or whatever. You don't it's such a waste of time. You don't need to do this stuff. OK, Jeremy Langford is already a threat and people aren't you're, you're not going to like all of a sudden like revamp somebody's entire game plan because Forte might play in the lineup. All right, So it's an absolute joke that John Fox is doing this. He's not playing. Okay, he's not even he hasn't okay. he hasn't practiced this Thursday. So him floating this whole day to day garbage um, news out there, you know, is the same exact thing he did with Alshon Jeffrey. The first week Alshon Jeffrey was injured, um, he called him day to day, and he missed a month. All right, and John Fox is pulling the same garbage here as well. So is there a chance he plays? Then maybe there's some small chance. Do I do I believe in it? Um, no. And secondly, Jeremy Langford has been killing it. So they don't, there's no reason for him to rush rush him back off the roster. And if you know anything about what the Bears have been um, doing, they felt like they were out of this out of the race here, like in week three, week four. They saw that they were that you know that Cutler was injured, Alshon Jeffrey was injured, Kevin White was injured, and they're like, you know what, we need to get what we can now. They started tra- they traded away Jared Allen. They started trading all these other guys off their roster tra- to immediately start stockpiling picks for next year. So they know that they're not a playoff team. I mean, can they make the playoffs? Sure, but. Um, is it a long shot? Probably. Yes. So. And Forte Forte is also a free agent after right. this year. So, too, it, so right. So you have a guy in Jeremy Langford who you drafted, who you liked, who has played well so far, and you probably need to continue to evaluate. So there's no reason for them to like rush Forte back into the lineup for for what? What you don't you know to keep the tread off of Jeremy Langford? He's a rookie, you know, and you need a you need to know if Jeremy Langford can be your bell cow back next year. And I don't know if you can just say that after two weeks. So. Um, there you have it. That's the way I, that okay. I'm approaching it overall. Well, then in that case, I think Langford is definitely somebody you can look at. Although it is a tough matchup going up against that Denver defense form. Yes. Um, you know, again, no. Which Denver defense are we going to get? Are we going to get the one that got embarrassed last week by, uh, you know, Chalk Kendrick West, or are we going to you know, see the Chalk? <laughs> that's his name this week because you know everyone's using him, that's so he's so Chalk Kendrick. That's very good. Um, but I, I, you know, like I said, I mean, after watching. West tear them apart last week. I think you, at the very least, would have to consider him if you know he's going to be getting the lion's share of the carries. Um, I love Devonta Freeman this week. I don't love his price, but I do love the the situation and the matchup and all that for him. It's a little tough for me to pay up for him this week, um, especially on DraftKings, where he's like $1,000 more expensive than anybody else. That's a little bit of, of a tough thing for me to do, but I can understand why people are looking at him so much. I think he's definitely a cash game guy. Don't know if I'd be going his way in tournaments. Um, Gurley's another one. I'm not, I'm not in love with the matchup for him this week. Actually, you know, what's kind of interesting. I want to get your take on this. 
Lamar Miller, a lot of people bounced off him last week because Jay Ajahi is now all of a sudden healthy and mm-hmm. is supposed to be stealing carries. Right. Lamar Miller's been looking great right now, mm-hmm. especially with the coaching change and the way that they're using him and they're giving him more than the 15 carries we used to go nuts that he never got before. Do you still think he's in play? And if you do still think he's in play, do you think 20% ownership on him is too high? Um, I don't know if 20... See, 20% ownership to me it puts him more in cash game territory than he does in GPPs for GPPs, me, for yeah. one, okay? I've always mm-hmm. felt like that was... So, you know, once you get into like a 15%-ish plus, you're you're getting close to that threshold. Right? So you may be, mm-hmm. you better be getting super value if you're going to go beyond that and get that guy to listen. And, and you are getting a nice price, um, particularly on DraftKings. Um, you know, but by the way, um, DraftKings still just... You know, if you ever need a discount on anybody anywhere, you're, it's DraftKings like all the time. So, uh, and I've, I've we've ranted about this over and over. So, um, yeah, just wanted to quickly mention that here. As far as Ajayi go, Ajayi, you know who's the one, um, you know, um, pushing for more um, playing time for for Ajayi? Ajayi. Cool. <laughs> he's the All one right, yeah he's the one coming out and saying i think i need more touches i'm playing pretty well six for 48 yards um for for me personally the guy's been injured or inactive the majority of the season up until november 8th week nine okay he has played well he has run well um but you know what lamar miller is the back he's a veteran he's in, been in that offense i think he has the trust of dan campbell and if dan campbell you if you think about him how he's gone back to the whole you know run the ball first um, you know, keep the game balanced. We don't need to throw 40 times like like Tannehill's Aaron Rodgers or something like that. Uh, most coaches who are of that sort of um, ilk grade, cut from that cloth, p- prefer the veterans to keep you know keep them in the lineup. And they're still in the mix for a playoff spot right now. So I just don't see how all of a sudden um, Dan Campbell turning this into a timeshare because you know Ajayi was you know 4.8 you know yards per carry or, or whatever the last you know two games. This guy has got 11 t- attempts for 89 yards and has been a complete non-factor in the passing game. And the passing game is a big part of where Lamar Miller does his damage. So long story short, not too concerned about Ajayi until I actually see him get you know 10-plus catches and, and cut into a bigger share. I, just, I think he's just a change of pace back that's going to give Miller a blow right now. And he's the one tuning his own horn for more playing time. Nobody else. Okay. All right. Um, any other running backs that we need to slide down here and talk about before we move along? I mean, I don't really love the guys that are lower owned this week. Uh, Chris Ivory, I guess, has a little bit of merit. Um, DeMarco Murray has a little bit of merit. But I like the fact that um, Matthews was already announced out. Murray's been playing pretty well, but it's not a great matchup for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, McFadden practiced and caught some passes today, which is nice to hear because he's a guy that we've been using a lot just because he gets so much volume. But if he's going to be banged up, that gives me a little bit of pause. Uh, Jonathan Stewart has been okay, but he really has no upside. But he could be a solid, cheap option for you to throw in there. He could get a touchdown, maybe 70, 80 yards. Doesn't catch a lot of passes, uh, which is something I really don't like about him over on DraftKings. Uh, LaShawn McCoy has been playing well, but again, he's got that matchup with New England. I don't see him getting like 25 carries this week, so I wouldn't really be on him. You know, the James Stark, Eddie Lacy situation has me kind of you know, not really looking at both of them. So there, there's not a lot underneath down here that I'm really all that excited about rolling into any of my rosters. 
Yeah, I agree with you there as well. So I'm not. Uh, you, you're already. We've got so much built-in value between Charcanter Quest and all the guys that we mentioned that are middle-tier price. We don't have to go scraping for a like a min-priced option or nin, or near min-priced option because you've got a good group of six, seven, eight running backs to sort of create differentiation and choose from. So mm-hmm. that's going to be my um, personal um, opinion. Yeah, and if you're if you're getting West for so cheap, you can kind of fit in one of those other guys, even if you have to pay up a little more than yes. you normally like to. I actually created a fan draft lineup this morning and i was like after i got my value plays that i was definitely you know targeting my amandolas my um charcantric west my stevie johnson's i was i had to go re reevaluate my my positions i was like trying to get eric ebron in there because he's playing the raiders and we know the raiders have given up the most fancy points to opposing tight ends this season and then i was like wait a minute i can go buy gronk and i still have a couple thousands left over to upgrade two more positions mm-hmm. so you i i had to take myself out of value town and force myself to spend more and mm-hmm. target a couple more top options because i saved so much money with you know like jonathan stewart and tricantric quest so yeah and you know transitioning over to the wide receivers too right now as well there aren't a lot of high-priced wide receivers that you're going to be going after this week you got antonio brown and odell beckham who are off on um, buys this week. You got a, a banged up DeAndre Hopkins who's going to be on Revis Island anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to pay up, you're basically paying up for Julio Jones or you're coming down into, you know, that lower tier that's a little bit below them, that second tier of guys that are available. And even in that second tier, you got a half dozen guys that are banged up from, you know, Alshon, Calvin's a little banged up. Like, you know, there, there's just so many, so many of those guys in the upper to you know, mid upper tier that, you know, you're looking at a lot of guys like the, you know, like we said, like the Stevie Johnson's, like the Amandola's, like you're able to find all these cheap guys there. So you're going to have money left to spend over at other positions this week, just because there aren't enough options for you to go and spend up on everybody. There just isn't enough people up there that are worth spending up on. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you there as well. So the, the way I'm, I'm looking at this here is, you know, you, I actually had trouble at wide receiver too because I, we were when you go with Amendola and Stevie, um, you 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 can lock those two guys up and they're in great spots, and they have a you know pretty good floor for production. But then you're like you you you're left with too, almost too much money. So I actually had to reevaluate as to whether or not I was going to take Stevie off the table. Now on a site like Fantasy Draft, you can you have two flex spots, so you can actually go third big time wide receiver and then roll another big time running back and that's all actually allowed me to get Gronk and Devontae Freeman into my lineup there so that's mm-hmm. um you know sort of different with their settings but in this spot here I think you actually might have to consider taking Stevie off the table and getting into a spot with Julio um at least for cash um because you're we have so many good spots to save money on and for those who have asked and multiple people have asked me my co-host asked me himself this morning uh you know Fancy Moses on Fantasy Football Insider Crabtree or or Amari Cooper um, it's all Crabtree all the time for me. You're getting a little bit of a discount, which you might not necessarily need, but Michael Tra- Crabtree has the um, one of the top projected um, uh, coverage options according to Mike Clay's uh, wide receiver cornerback chart for, for this week. He's a top 10 cover, um, has uh, De- Nevin Lawson, who has a... Um, uh, who is a significantly worse cor- um, corner versus Darius Slay, who is Detroit's top corner overall. And Darius Slay is... Um, uh, what do you call it? It's currently projected to be matched up against Amari Cooper. So that's how I broke mm-hmm. that tie over there. So if you're spending some cash, you decide between those two, you're creating a Derek Carr stack. That's what you can take a look at. Um, yeah. And, and also, also with Crabtree too, like the thing that I, 
I feel like people don't realize, you know, Cooper, I know, is the shiny new toy, but Crabtree's getting more targets. Crabtree's getting more red zone looks. Crabtree has more catches. The only thing that Cooper is really doing better than him so far this year is he has a higher A dot. So his average depth of target, he's getting targeted down the field a little bit more. That's basically it. Are you reading off of my PFF article? It usually doesn't even come up until Saturday. So, because I, I said, quick quiz. This is just like almost verbatim. I'm just reading this off the top of my head for what I wrote yesterday because I've set the article in, but I don't think it publishes till tomorrow. I said, um, between Amari Cooper and Crabtree, who has more targets, more catches, and more touchdowns? Yep. And the answer is Michael Crabtree for all three. And not by a lot, by the way. It's like, you know, one target, three extra catches, yeah. and one touchdown. Or, you yeah, know, but you know, at so. the same point in time, you're getting the discount on him, too. Yes. So not only is he a little bit, not only is he getting a little bit more work, but he's also cheaper. So mm-hmm. when you put those two things together, right. to me, he just makes a little bit more sense. Plus, like you said, you look at PFF, he's got the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. The 10th best matchup overall, um, you know, as far as the cornerback wide receivers matchup. Right. So. And then you have Cooper, who's the top 30. So it's a, a significant downgrade in talent when you're using Michael Crabtree on the defensive end. Um, I am in on Calvin. For those of you who are looking for, like, a you know, top 10 price option, and, you know, the Raider secondary is someone that you can target. So if you're interested in him, I think he's GPP and cash eligible at, at a projected what, 9 to 10% ownership for next uh, for this Sunday. Uh, mm-hmm. I prefer Emmanuel Sanders over Demaryius Thomas, for those of you who are wondering or want to gamble on the Brock Osweiler experience here. Oh, uh, I want nothing to do with either one of them, to be honest. I hear you there, but, um, you know, if you're having to make a choice or you do want to get some exposure there, I feel like it's always safer for a rookie quarterback. Well, he's not a rookie, but maybe making his first career start to have somebody who's going to be running more of the underneath stuff, the you mm-hmm. know middle of the field versus Demaryius Thomas, who's a bigger you know, down the field target. It's probably, mm-hmm. the, you know, the better wide receiver for sure. But, you know, you're, you, a lot of times you're looking for that safety valve stuff and the quarterback has trouble getting to the, through all his reads and progressions. And Emmanuel Sanders can be a nice safe option who could be pile up a bunch of targets and some catches underneath. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, if anybody who wants to gamble further with the Mark Sanchez to Jordan Matthews thing, I, Jordan Matthews is only 3% owned, so projected 5% ownership-ish, I guess, for, for this weekend. Don't mind having some shares if that's the route you want to go. I just don't really ever trust Jordan Matthews enough once we've gotten to week 11, and he hasn't really done it uh, so far. And so I don't know if that's actually just somehow going to magically change with Mark Sanchez. But, uh, you know, he is a cheap option overall. So uh, there you have that. Um, any other guys? Yeah, I am. Um... Yeah, I actually want to add in. I love Mike Evans again this week. I, I know I've been rolling this guy the last couple of weeks and telling you guys he's just seeing so many targets right now with VJAX out. So Mike Evans, even at 12%, is somebody I still like. Uh, Stevie Johnson, I am very high on this week at 9%. Like him a lot more on DraftKings where you get the PPR. I think he could see, you know, like 10 targets this week. So I think he'll be somebody that I like. I also think I like Stefan Diggs a little bit again. I think that he's got some upside at low ownership in this matchup. And then the last guy I want to mention is, you know, we kind of talked about him a little bit before, but if Devontae Adams is going to be seeing double-digit targets and he's still pretty cheap, I think he's in play, even though he hasn't done a bunch with them. You know, you can't discount the, the kind of volume that he saw last week and he should be seeing going forward. All right, that makes a lot of sense to me. I could I could definitely make a case and be, and be in on that. All right, let's move forward to tight end here. Um, interesting that Greg Olson to you is this much higher owned than Rob Gronkowski, given the matchup at home against Buffalo, 20% owned for Greg Olson versus Gronk at 14, four, your thoughts on that. 
Um, well, I think it basically comes down to price because it's just the, there's a price difference between the two. It's very tough to fit in Gronk most weeks because of his price. Um, if you're asking me, though, I would rather have Gronk than Olsen. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to try to pay up for a tight end, I'm going to pay up for Gronk. I, I don't think I would pay up for Olsen, especially not at 20% owned. At, at that ownership rate, I would probably drop down. There are a couple guys that are like 7 8% owned that I really like. Jordan Reed at 6.7%, the amount of targets. He actually has um, the second most targets per game average for the tight end position. So he hasn't played every week. He missed a week or two, but he actually averages the second most looks. He's a little bit. Olsen is third. Gronk is fourth. Reed is second. And the guy who's actually averaging the most, the only one who's seeing over 10 targets per game, is Antonio Gates, who's another guy that I like in this spot. Especially if Malcolm Floyd might be out. You got Ladarius Green that might be out. We know Keenan Allen is out. You know, and again, him and Rivers have been, you know, they've had this connection for a couple years. He looks to Gates a lot. Gates gets a lot of a lot of passes thrown his way. He gets a lot of red zone looks thrown his way. So the fact that people are letting him go off at five and a half percent means that I want to have a lot of him because I think he's should be much higher on than 5%. If I would have seen him in the 15% range, I wouldn't have been shocked about it, and I would still be considering using him. So at 5%, I absolutely love Antonio Gates this week. And then um, the only other guy who I'm going to mention, and it's not even that I love him that much, but you always got to mention the tight end going up against Oakland. You got Eric Ebron at 4%. He is somebody who's seeing some red zone looks. The thing that helps Ebron out the most is he lines up a lot on the same side as Calvin Johnson. And Calvin Johnson's been getting a lot of double teams with safety help over the top, which basically means that they're leaving uh, Ebron one-on-one with a linebacker down the seam. And that's if you watch some of the games where he's caught his touchdown passes, that's pretty much how he's been doing his damage. He, he is very athletic. He's fast. He gets behind linebackers and can make plays down the seam. And he's also a guy that's a big target in the middle of the field there for Stafford. So he's somebody else that I kind of like a little bit, probably more of a DraftKings play than a than a FanDuel play because you're not getting much of a price discount on FanDuel from going to him versus like a Gates or a Reed. Um, so on FanDuel, I think I'd rather just use Reed or Gates. On DraftKings, though, I think I might have a little bit of uh, Ebron thrown in there as well. All right, fair enough. Um, I like Ebron, and like I said, I was, uh, was a guy I was trying to use before I saved a ton of cash here in some of my like you know cash game and GPPs lineup. So um, those all make sense to me. I don't think you really need to mess around too much in this spot. Um, I'm fine with anybody here in the top five: Olsen, Gronk, Kelsey, Reed, Antonio Gates, um, and Tyler Eifert, which you know people don't need to forget. And then Zach Ertz as a differentiation play down down there. Oh all yeah, the good bottom. call. Yes, good um, call. Ertz is Ertz is definitely somebody to look at this week. Yes, point seven percent owned, so probably going to be two percent owned or less. If you want to go off the board a, a, a little bit and fade some of the top five options in this spot, I like him as a GPP play shirt. It could be actually cash safe. Um, as well, yeah, didn't he see like seven or eight targets last week? Yeah. You know, if he's going to be seeing that at at, at min price or near min price, I mean, that's that's pretty good value again. Yeah, ten targets, seven receptions for sixty eight yards. Doesn't have a touchdown, but at at three k price last week, thirty one hundred. This week, value all the way. The only problem, like I said here, is you know don't value town yourself by putting in all these value options that you love and then miss out on the ceiling of Gronk or Greg Olson because you save 10000 in your salary or something crazy. Mm-hmm. So, um, All right, and then finally, let's wrap it up here with defense before we move on to NBA here. Um, Benny, your top options at the, on the defensive end for um, given the ownership that we have. Uh, we got Seahawks at 20%, Panthers at 116 Jets at 93 Eagles and Chiefs rounding out the top five. 
Yeah, I like the Eagles at 6.2. I like the Rams at 4.8. My top defense for the week is the Panthers at 11.6. And I'm going to give you a quick hot take. I did not like the Seattle defense at all this week. And let me explain why, because people are, are like yelling at me right now as they're listening to this. How do you think that game's going to go? Because to me, I think the Seahawks are going to try to run the ball, and I think San Francisco is going to try to run the ball. Now, the thing I want people to realize is everybody looks at the total at 39 and goes, oh, it's a lock. you got to put the Seahawks in there. But if the Seahawks don't get a shutout, they're only going to wind up with three or four fantasy points from keeping you know, San Francisco under 21 points, which I'll agree with you is probably a given that San Francisco doesn't get the 21. You know, the score of that game is going to be like 17-10 or, or 13-7 or something like that. That's the way I see it. But if both teams are going to keep the ball on the ground, then you're not getting any drop-back passes, which means you're not giving Seattle any chance for sacks, not that they've been getting a ton of them this year anyway. You're not giving them a chance for a lot of interceptions, which, honestly, their secondary hasn't been the vaunted secondary that we you know think of the Seahawks as. At 20%, I am not going to have one share of Seahawks defense in the GPPs. And maybe that's going to be my downfall, but that's just the way I see it. I do not love them as much as everybody else does this week. Wow, that's strong. That's very, very strong. I think actually I want some shares because San Francisco is putrid for one. Okay, you don't have to do it in a GPP. You can do it in some cash. You can mix up your cash, Jeff. Uh, you know, plays there because. But like I said, I think there's so many spots to save money. I'm totally fine going with the top option, and I don't care what Blaine Gabbert did. It wasn't even all that impressive last game, but he got the win. He's bad. He's still considered a backup quarterback in the mix to me, and I always want to attack. Uh, target backup quarterbacks. Um, I, off Osweiler, I'm, I'm buying a little bit. So, and the, and the Chicago Bears aren't really uh, like a top defensive option. So, I'm probably not. He's from one person. I'm not necessarily going to really go after. But um, I will have some shares of the Seahawks. I do want the Jets versus uh, TJ. Uh, is it Jets versus TJ Yates in Houston? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, I don't probably. I'm probably not going to be targeting um, Mark Sanchez, even though he can be a turnover machine. I just don't have a lot of faith in the Tampa Bay defense. Um, as a playmaker um, overall. But, you know, those are some of the options I look at. And um, Panthers have who on the schedule this week again? Who am I looking at? You know, it's a good matchup, I remember, because I know they were my top. Uh, give me a second here. Washington. Oh, yeah, Washington. So Kirk Cousins, you know, f- people feel like he's a rainmaker after what he did last week. So, I mean, maybe we should give themselves a little the bit of Panthers a... The Panthers defense... Yeah, yeah, the Panthers' defense is night and day for the Saints' defense. That's I true. think that That's true. I could line up at wideout, Josh could be throwing me the passes, and I think that we would both put up 20 fantasy points against the Saints. <laughs> against the Panthers, we would both end up in a hospital. So <laughs> don't look at what Cousins did last week right. and assume he's going to do the same thing this week. It is night and day, the matchup that he has. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so I, I want shares of Seattle. I think Denver bounce back, bounces back against Chicago, although Jay Cutler has played very well. Philadelphia, I... I have no problem with them targeting Jameis Winston. And um, St. Louis is decent too, but they, I think I feel like they play better on the road at home. But there's Baltimore is really nothing to be worried about at all. They have Chris Givens, you know, trying to you know fight Kamar Aiken for who's the number one wide receiver. That's not a good option overall. No. Um, New England at Buffalo, I do like that. Uh, although Tyrod Taylor has held his own in his last matchup, but that was at home. And then um, the to me, my second best option if I'm not using Seattle is actually the Jets against CJ Yates. It is on the road against Houston, but you know. Like I said, it's CJ Yates. I don't know how many times I can reiterate that for for effect or value. So, would you be using the Jets because they're going up against CJ Yates? <laughs> I would be using the Jets mainly, primarily when you think about it, 
it's probably going to be because of TJ Yates. So um, I don't know how else to say it other than TJ Yates. So you're saying that TJ Yates is not a good quarterback and you would be using the Jets. Well, I'm not really saying that per se. What I really want to say – well, okay, I'll just stop <laughs> before people like turn off this podcast. All right, that Fair is enough. that is going to wrap it up for the GPP ownership percentages for week 11. Go ahead and get that money. Let us know um, how, how it went, out, went for you. Um, based on some of our recommendations on Twitter at BennyR11, uh, at Josh Hayes FS. Um, show us the pile of cash that you're swimming in on FanDuel after you take down a big GPP with some of our elite options that we've given you. And uh, let us know. Let us know what's going on. Let us know. Enjoy, we enjoy the uh, show. We love being interactive with you guys. Yeah, I expect to see all the Scrooge McDuck memes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, DuckTales, uh, like diving right into the pile of coins. I want to oh, yeah. see that. That would be awesome. All right, um, before we get into the NBA plays, I want to let you guys know that if you haven't gotten in the mix here on rotowire.com to talk about the projections, you're wondering where we're coming up with a lot of these numbers, how we break down uh, top projected players and, you know, their value for for their salary, rotowire.com takes care of it all for you with their daily fantasy optimizer. They have one for NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, college basketball, college football, soccer even. And you can get a 10-day free trial right now. So just go to rotowire.com slash pod. Get your 10-day free trial. Check out all the projections. They're good for season long. They're good for uh, DFS, uh, up-to-the-minute depth charts, customizable league projections, all the things that you need and more to dominate all your DFS games and your fancy leagues for season long as well. And you get the free trial uh, and the access to all the information that we're bringing you here on the show in one spot available for you 24 hours a day. So check it out. I'm pretty sure you're going to love the membership. It's one of the reasons why we love working for Rotofire for fringe benefits like these. So rotowire.com slash pod. Get your 10-day free trial now. All right. NBA time here, Benny. We're going to keep it on the FanDuel side because we go pretty heavy on DK uh, for Saturday, and it's really just to help me and my own article out, selfish reasons. I don't care about uh, telling you guys the truth. You know what I mean? I want my article to be as good as possible, and we're going to do some research live on the show right now. So here we go. Uh, Saturday slate, November 21st. We've got seven games on tap here, and we'll go ahead and kick it off to the point guard position. Benny, what are you trying to do here uh, for Saturday NBA DFS? Well, we're, we're talking all-day slate, right? Because there yes. are a couple earlier games here. So Let's cover every the, all the bases, and then people can filter them out themselves if they want to play just even. Right. Fair enough. I mean, basically, the way he's been playing right now, you can't sleep on Rajon Rondo. I think he had another triple-double last night, or did he come up like an assist or, or a rebound short or One something One rebound like short. Okay, one rebound short. You know, he's slacking on us at this point, but... It, there's really no way. I mean, you know, I was a little worried about his minutes when Collison came back and how that would all go. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the guy's still putting up incredible numbers yes. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost, very likely may have lost Rudy Gay last night. Um, you know, he got hurt, wound up leaving that game early too, right. which is only going to put more of an emphasis on guys like Rajon Rondo and, you know, Collison and Boogie, who should be back from his one game suspension to do a lot more of the scoring or a lot more of the creating, have have the ball in their hand a little more. So, like I said, I mean, if you look at the numbers that Rondo's been putting up lately, it seems like he's a triple-double just about every single game over the last couple. He's had, uh, you know, four of his last seven games, he's put up 50 Fandle points. 
that's a lot of FanDuel points, guys. Like, that's an incredible amount. He's seen his price rise from $6,000 up to seventy-six, And it's not even like seventy-six is all that expensive. If you're getting 50 points out of a guy who's 76, you're talking six and a half, almost 7x value on FanDuel, which is crazy. If you get six times, you're, you're looking at a score like 360. If you get seven times, you're looking at a score over 400. So as long as he's in the lineup, I think that he's somebody that you got to look at. So he's going to be one of the top options that I'm looking at on Saturday. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, so Rajon Rondo, you know what? I believe he's actually cheaper on Fandle than Jack Kings. That's really weird he to is. say. Yeah, so, he is. Um, that's, I, it feels dirty saying that because DraftKings has like a complete different approach to what you do um, in NBA in terms of values versus NFL. NFL, they want to hand out guys who are awesome like candy. You know, and then NBA, you're like, Rajon Rondo is what? Is he really cheaper on Fandle? Are you are you is that for real? Yeah. And there's there's actually a thing that, you know, we've mentioned before. When you're looking at guys, if you can find a guy cheaper on Fandle than he is on DraftKings, it almost makes him an automatic play. Like if you were considering playing a guy on DraftKings and he has a lower price over on Fandle. If you liked him on DraftKings, you should love him on Fandle right. at, that, at that situation. Normally, yes. And now it's like um, uh, a, a weird situation where how it's just completely different between football and, and NBA. But you're, mm-hmm. you're totally right. So Yeah, for, MB, for NBA, I'm talking. that you know Football's a completely different animal. Right. But if you see a guy that you were going to put into your DraftKings lineup on NBA mm-hmm. and you see that he's even cheaper on Fandle, mm-hmm. if you're using him on DraftKings, you have you to pretty much have to use him on Fandle because it it's, doesn't make any sense that you would be using him on DraftKings if you're not using him on Fandle. Right. It's, and if I'm right, it's the same salary constraints, right? We we're, how cap versus cap, what are we talking about for total salaries between Fandle and DraftKings again? Well, um, FanDuel, you get 60K. DraftKings, you get 50. Right. But you need a higher multiplier on DraftKings. So on on DraftKings, you need like six times to really be in the the mix for, you know, a a GPP win. On FanDuel, you need like five, five and a half. So that's why we're saying like it's actually a lower threshold. So if a guy is cheaper or even the same price on FanDuel as he is on DraftKings, mm-hmm. if you like them on DraftKings, you have to love them on FanDuel right. because the threshold's even lower that you need out of them. Exactly. exactly. And that's sort of the point I was trying to illustrate there with you know the salary comparisons. So, all right, we've identified Rajon Rondo as a good play. How do you feel about um, Reggie Jackson, who has a top projection here? And, um, you know, it's I'm a little bit concerned with Reggie Jackson because after the monster start that he had to the season, there was like this three or four game stretch where he sort of fell off. He did put up a 32-point game against the Clippers, but you expected him to be a rainmaker against L.A. and throws up a dud. And, you know, then Sam Van Gundy comes out and says he thinks he's getting a little bit worn down. Then as soon as he mentions that, 45 points, boom, on Fandle, just like that, and puts up um, just under 6x. So what do you do now against John Wall, who's supposed to be one of the defending uh, better defending point guards in the league? Yeah, but even with him being one of the defend, better defending point guards, one thing we always talk about is pace. Mm-hmm. And something that I don't think people really realize is Washington is playing very paced up this year. Like last year, they were kind of a slow it down, mm-hmm. like, you know, defensive minded right. kind of team. They actually have one of the higher pace numbers. Like I was surprised when I was looking through the pace numbers the other day mm-hmm. before their game. You also very likely may not have Bradley Beal in this one as well. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I don't know how much that really affects, you know, the point guard matchup really against Jackson, but I think it's a decent spot. My biggest problem with Jackson, like you said, is, you know, some games he looks like he should be an Mm all-star and other games you're like, oh, that's why OKC didn't mind trading him, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
you know, for me, it's probably more of somebody that I'm going to lean to on the on the GPP side because he is kind of expensive. He does have the ability to do what he did last game and throw up 40 points. You know, he's had a couple other games this year with 40, you know, right around 40 or even 50 point games. Um, but I don't know. I just I don't think I really want to spend up to that price range on him. He's basically the same price as Rondo. And to me, I'm going to take Rondo over him nine times out of ten at, at this point in the you know, in the season. Yeah, okay, that makes a ton of sense for me. All right, so um, I like that analysis and how it broke down. All right, now, if we, we are going away from Reggie and Rondo um, for this week, who else can be the, the the number two point guard that we can pair um, with our, our number one option here for Saturday? I mean, I don't really like a lot of these guys that are in the mid-range. I don't. I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually hoping some value opens up. I'm hoping that maybe Mo Williams is out again and we can use the Della Dova. Uh, Della Vadova, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even there was another guy here that I was looking at that um, it was another point guard swerve. Bayless came into the starting lineup here, but it is a tougher matchup against Indiana if George Hill's playing. If George Hill's mm-hmm. not playing, um, he's fine. I, I, he didn't actually you know, put together a great performance last night at 4,400, but it was against Cleveland. Um, and But if you take a look at the... Um, you know, price points that he put up with 30 plus minutes, 30 to 38 was a range over the past five games. He hit um, 6x, four out of five, and the one where he didn't was at 5.7x for 21 fancy points. So, a very safe floor and very productive at, at a super cheap price. You know, what, yeah, 4,300 is way too cheap for him. Right. So, Bayless is definitely going to be in the mix if they're going to leave him in the, in the starting lineup. Um, and, and if he, if George Hill, who is still battling an illness, isn't out of the lineup too uh, as well. So that's, that'll be like a double boost for me. Bayless is definitely in the mix for me as my number two guy. Uh, and then we have um, uh, Dennis um, Ricky Shooter, who is uh, at 4,800, uh, put up a very uh, strong game um, with uh, 22, 33, and 6 assists against the Sacramento Kings, good for 6.7x and still under 5K. So he's another guy to me that are like are battling with uh, who I want to pair Ray John Rondo with uh, is as my number two guy. Uh, how would how would you feel about going to the other side of that Sacramento game too? Elf Payton has actually been playing a little bit better lately, mm-hmm. and I think his price is a little bit more than I wanted to pay for him on Fanduel. I think he's up to like sixty five right now. Yes, but I mean he threw up like a big game yesterday. Didn't he yeah. had like forty five or something like that. He had forty eight points, twenty four seven okay. and six with four steals, which is closer to what you were hoping for and, and, and expecting. So that's that's nice, but. The, and and you have actually gotten a significant cost savings. He started out the season up at at seventy four hundred, so he's dropped about a k almost. Mm, okay. um, but I still feel like he overall you're in that same sort of like ceiling group that you can potentially get out of Dennis Shooter, um, who does have a different you know diff, more difficult defensive matchup on the road at Cleveland. So there's a reason to fade. But then Jared Bayless, um, you know, against Indiana, I just probably want the cost savings because it's pretty significant yeah. between the two. So. Yep. Um, that's the, that's, those are the sort of the guys that I'm identifying here. Anybody else that you want to stump for before we move along? Like I said, I don't really love the point guard position today. So that's pretty much, that's pretty much everything I see. I know it's not great, but mm-hmm. you know, hopefully we get some value that opens up there. I would gladly take it. Like if Adela Vadova is starting and, and Mo Williams is out, mm-hmm. I'll lock him up, throw him with Rondo and move on and spend somewhere else. All right. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to still probably take a look at Bayless 
or shooter. I'm probably Bayless over shooter um, as the way I would rank those uh, one, two, three. And then, you know, Reggie can be my swerve if for some reason I want to come off of Rondo in some of my lineups. All right, shooting our position here, Benny, what do you got for cash and GPPs? Uh, Well, James Harden is playing going up against the Knicks. The Knicks guards, you know, I should say the Knicks guards on the bench are better than the Knicks guards that they put out on the floor most of the time. So I do think that Harden is sufficiently motivated again. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's looking like he's playing a little bit better. So if you want to spend up, I don't really hate it. I mean, again, he put up like a 70-point game the other day, and there are very few guys that have the ability to do that at any position, let alone at shooting guard. So if I'm spending up on anybody, it's going to be Harden. Would you probably agree that that makes the most sense? Yes, and Jimmy Butler is solidly placed in my top two, three. Cause I, and we have a projection here of Harden, Butler, Bledsoe, and that's my elite group for here. And then everything else becomes value play territory in, in my mind. So um, mm-hmm. your, your thoughts on that? No, I completely agree. And that's the next thing I was going to say is the reason why – I kind of like Harden is because the second guy that I use is probably going to be somebody kind of cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a couple options that we could look at. You know, Bradley Beal's out again. Uh, you know, that's going to open up some value. If Rodney Stuckey's out again, you know, you're going to see some bigger games out of guys like, uh, I think actually C.J. Miles over on FanDuel is a small forward, right, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, I believe so. I will double check. All right, yeah, so that's not going to help. So. Um, I guess you could still look at a guy like Monta Ellis in that game because he's not really that expensive yet, and you know he's going to be seeing an absolute ton of minutes if we got injuries to guys like Stucky and Hill. Mm-hmm. He may even see a little bit of time at the point guard spot, so he would be the only other guy up there in that mid-tier that I would kind of like. Uh, you have Oladipo back now, which I think kind of hurts Fournier a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Oladipo's price still pretty expensive? I didn't play him the other night, so I don't even know what his price is sitting at. I like him, but I don't know if I want to pay like 8K for him if he's still up there. Uh, let me double check uh, here. 79, yeah, 79 he was last game. Yeah, I can't pay that, especially because he's not seeing his full allotment of minutes. But you know who is a little interesting? How do you feel about Dwayne Wade against Philly? Because Philly, we know, is a horrendous, horrendous defensive team. And Wade went absolutely bananas last night. I think he finished with like close to 50 DraftKings points or something like that. Uh, how would you feel about rolling Wade out against Philly at 7K? I think it's value overall, and and he's still showing that he can produce. So if he's in the lineup, remember, I think Dwayne Wade was was he second or third in usage rate last year? Something crazy. And I was like, man, I didn't realize they were using him well, even, so much. Even this year when he's in the game, his usage rate so far this season is 30%, which is very high for, uh, you know, even for point guards. Most of the point guards are only in the, like, low to mid-20s, so... You know, he's touching the ball an absolute ton. They're still using him a lot to, you know, generate offense and create for other people as well. Yeah. So, um, are we looking at the, the oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, so here's my question What do you think the total is on that Miami Philly game? And, you know, I just want to, I, I want to just quickly review because we, we can't see the lines just yet. But, um, I feel like Sac Orlando is going to be. Um, you know, paced up and w- with a very solid total. Knicks and Houston are going to be your spot. And then I wonder if Philly-Miami is going to be like your third best option given some of these defensive teams here. Well, you know what it is? Philly is only scoring, like, I think they might even be less than 90 points a game. So that's going to be low. And Miami is actually a pretty good defensive team. If that's much higher than 185, I'd be pretty shocked. Yeah, I would be pretty shocked there as well. So um, uh, the way I'm going to look at this here is I think you you need to 
you're going to have to stick with Fournier right now, at, li- at least for cash. Uh, the, the guy is about as consistent as you have as an option if you're pivoting off the top options that we talked about in Jimmy Butler, who I really like, um, who's going to be my second choice or maybe my first choice if I just don't pay up for Harden. I haven't really figured out who I'm going to lock in at the, uh, up at the top of because it is Harden against Memphis, and we, mm-hmm. we know Harden's matchup proof for the most part or supposed to be, but I do want to give some credit defensively to Memphis who have played good defense against Wait, him hold on. Am I looking at the wrong day here? Um, Harden against the Knicks, no? Oh, sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, I was just um, reading reading this wrong. It's Memphis versus San Antonio. Okay, so yeah. So Harden against the Knicks. Scratch everything I said. Great play overall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Evan Fournier, though, um, in this matchup against the Sacramento Kings, who have like a basically a merry-go-round at shooting guard. Sometimes it's Bellinelli. Sometimes it's Ben McAmore. James Anderson has made some starts at, sh- at, at shooting guard. Um, they played a little Caspi there. Um, so whatever the case may be, it hasn't... Um, Stopped, and I'm gonna tell you what though, Evan Fournier is a real thing. People keep waiting for him to come off this. You, did you see the game winner he dropped in, in overtime? No, he honestly, I thought that was a huge steal for Orlando when yes. they got him from Denver. Like, I think he's a very good player. Mm-hmm. I just think that you know they didn't give him really a chance to shine over there. So I have no problems with him. I think he can definitely play. I think he can definitely be. Play. I mean, think about how much everybody loved Mario Hizanja in the in the preseason. And he has basically made that guy a staple on the bench right now. He, he's like a paperweight sitting there on the bench because he doesn't even get in the game right now. So yeah. that's how good he's been and how well he's played so far to start the year. Yep, exactly. So uh, I'm going back to the well there. You just I, Here's what we're talking about. You want your 6X, 6.7X um, against Minnesota, 6.4 against a supposedly good uh, Washington defensive te- team. And then he comes up with 5.5X and 5.6 um, in the two games before that against Utah and L.A. All right, um, so are we good here at shooting guard, or do you want to come down with a couple home run plays before we move over? No, I, to be honest with you, I'm kind of spending up a little bit on some of the guys we talked about. Mm-hmm. Some of the home run plays we'll talk about with small forward, because I think there's quite a few over there. All right, so I'm going to draw the line at Beal um, in this spot, too, because um, you know, taking a look at the price, I think that's about as good as you can do. You can, Maybe you can make a case for Monte Ellis but, uh, against a str- uh, struggling Milwaukee team, but you're not getting a significant price discount there. So... Um, for the most part, everything I think you're getting into like you know serious GPP gamble territory. If you go too much further below uh, Evan Fournier, all right, small forward here. What do you got for me for cash and GPP? Okay, the, well, there's going to be some value guys that open up here, depending on how the situation works out with um, Indiana with their all their guards that they have. I do like CJ Miles. He's pretty cheap at only 4,800. I also think you got to keep an eye on uh, Omri Caspi, especially if Rudy Gay is out. If you have Gay out, Caspi is going to be like 4,200 or 4,400, I think he was yesterday. So there's a lot of value in that cheap spot. Moving up towards the top, um, again, Paul George looked unbelievable the other night. He seems to be completely back. His price is getting a little expensive. I like him more than Carmelo. I kind of have to think about whether or not I like him more than using LeBron against Atlanta. Um, LeBron has been taking a little bit more of uh, an offensive role lately. Um, like you pointed out the other day, he was a, a little bit upset at his teammates in the uh, post-game press conference, and I feel like he's asserting himself a little more. But I think I'd still rather have Paul George at a you know five or six hundred dollar discount over LeBron. Because George just looks really, really good lately. So if I'm spending up, it's probably going to be Paul George. If not, I think I'm going to be looking to go cheap with guys like Miles and Caspi. All 
All right, fair enough. Uh, I'm with those plays overall, especially if you know Caspi has always produced at a, at a pretty high clip whenever Rudy Gay has been out of the lineup, and they really don't have like a legitimate big-time scoring second fiddle. They have a, 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 a good fantasy second fiddle in Rajon Rondo, but Caspi has never been shy about trying to score the ball. So if Rajon Rondo is going to give him some elite shots like he, like he has been, then I love that play. All right, um, and I and you take a look at who, like the guys projected in the mix here. There's not a whole lot you really feel I feel great about. Robert Covington still on a minutes cap. Justin Winslow had a bad shooting game against a not good Sacramento team, and then Jeff Green would be somebody I would normally be interested in. I'm probably still going to be interested in here because it's seven and a half x seven point four and eight point two, and at thirty eight hundred, he's hovering very very close to min salary on Fanduel. So I'm probably going to still have to get him into the mix. But you hate it against Kawhi Leonard. It's that's the only problem mm-hmm. that I have. It's like why does it have to be against Kawhi Leonard? Mm-hmm. But at this point here, he's just too cheap for me to like say I gotta completely fade. So wh- wh- your your choice here. We're gonna choose Omri Caspi at forty two hundred or um, who did I just mention? Jeff Green at thirty eight. What do you do? Ooh, that's tough, man. Jeff Green's been seeing a lot more minutes, and that's incredibly cheap. Ah, yeah. uh, I honestly, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'd still go Jeff Green just because he's so cheap. And you, I don't know. I mean, I could see both of those guys being in there. It's very tough. I like them both, to be honest. Can we use them both and then pay up somewhere else? I mean, I'd be okay with that, yeah, too. Yeah, you can, actually. Yeah, you, that's actually a, You know what? What? Let's do that. <laughs> I'm going to write that. <laughs> Jeff Green and Omri Caspery. So if you want to know who's going to Then you that. could basically fit whoever you want at the other positions. Yeah, and just taking a look at, like, fancy points allowed, to. Um, San Antonio Spurs are, you know, second allow the second fewest. So I'm not, I probably you're more looking for like a safe cash flow with Jeff Green. You're probably not going to have the GPP upside you're looking for. Um, and if you do want to get into the mix there, then Orlando's right near the middle of the pack in fantasy points allowed. I don't See, know, so the, the problem for me is both of those guys are so cheap. Like it's not like you're looking for a huge game out of either one of them right. to pay it off. Yeah. Like if, if Jeff Green goes out and has like 12 points, four rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block, he makes value at 3,800. He does. You know, and, that is very and, true. And, and Caspi at 42, if he's going to be seeing 30, 35 minutes with Rudy Gay out, he's going to make value too. So it's, you know, it, it's going to be a tough choice for you guys, but we gave you the guys that you should be looking at at that price range at least anyway. All right, fair enough. Power forward now. Let's go ahead and move along. Uh, there are some, a couple top options at the top. Paul Millsap has been balling out of control, and normally mm-hmm. you don't want to play against Cleveland, but Kevin Love is probably one of the weak spots on that defense. Mm-hmm. Um, who else are you looking at in this lineup? I actually like the pairing of Millsap and Chris Bosh, and I know I bashed Chris uh, Bosh earlier in the year, but I have come around and I am now a believer. He is rebounding, which was the the big knock that I had on him for a guy I had to pay up for, mm-hmm. and he's putting up 20-something points a game, and I also watched a lot of that game last night, and they look for him. like They run isos for him. They'll get him the ball in like that high post area, and literally everybody just goes to the other side of the floor and lets him go one-on-one, so... I am back on the Chris Bosh train, at least for now, um, until he stops rebounding again. And, and I agree with you with the Millsap thing. He's just been too too good lately. And you know against Cleveland, the game should probably stay close. So it's going to be one of those games where he gets his 36, 37 minutes because he's the one hawk that really doesn't come off the floor. Yeah, and a quick uh, value option that I want to talk about here, Jeremy Grant um, did some very nice things in uh, twenty minute, back-to-back games with 29 minutes of work, and the lines are uh, almost identical. 13 points, four rebounds, one assist. The difference here is he put up three bucks in this contest, and that got him t- to over 5x. So you don't need a ton of you know, fancy points. He actually, 
um, you know, only scored 23 fantasy points in that contest. But that's, you know, you get very, very close to 6x. Uh, and then you have, you know, Lewalding, who's fine, but not, not anybody, any sort of like defensive stalwart. So if you feel like you have to come down off of some of these, you know, uh, 8k-ish options there, there's a potential uh, yeah. play for you and- there. And keep in mind, too, like, Noel, they did say, Nerland's Noel, they did say, is going to play today, but he's hurting. So if mm-hmm. they're going to be letting him sit on the back end of back-to-backs, they move Jeremy Grant over to the power forward spot. So when you can get him that cheap, when he's going to be playing power forward, he's a great play because he's also going to add in all those rebounds as well as, you know, doing all the other stuff that he does. Because he's a guy that gets you steals, gets you blocks, can get a few assists, can get a few points. So that's another thing. If Noel is out... I literally think that Grant is like almost a must play at that point at that price. All right, fair enough. And then the last thing I'm going to point out here is um, we've got Terrence Jones, um, who's very reasonably priced against the New York Knicks, 5900. So he has jumped up in price after you know um, you know back to back games of 6.9x. Uh, with 37 fantasy points and puts up 31 fantasy points and then sort of fell off. I know he's got a little bit of a hand injury, but the, the value is very, very good. And actually probably prefer him a little bit more over the cost savings you get from Jeremy Grant because he's got more scoring ceiling. So if you get into mm-hmm. that middle spot there where you don't have to go all the way down to save with Grant, but you're not paying up for Millsap, Love, Bosch, then uh, I like Terrence Jones an op- as an option uh, against the New York Knicks and Porzingis, who we know um, is no defensive stalwart. So uh, there you have that. And then let's go ahead and get to, into center before we get out of here, Benny. I know we're running out of time. Um, to Whiteside or to not Whiteside? That is the question. I, I mean, they're playing Philly. We all know that uh, we like Okafor's offensive game and we hate his defensive game. Right. So it's a great matchup there for Whiteside. Mm-hmm. He's about a $1,500, $1,600 discount from Cousins and Drummond, mm-hmm. who I also like. Again, we gave you guys enough value options that you can go ahead and spend up. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a huge fan of saving at center over on FanDuel with right. the pricing um, mm-hmm. on Saturday. Yeah. So I could pay up for Cousins if I'm playing the early lock games. Mm-hmm. If I'm not playing the early lock games, I got no problem playing up for Drummond. The only question to me would really be, do you pay up for Drummond or do you get Whiteside? I think I'm always going to go with DeMarcus Cousins um, if I have the ability to do so. And if I'm choosing between Drummond and Whiteside overall, then I'll have a price consideration. But my but Philly is such a juicy matchup, I don't think I can fade it overall. And one last thing I'll say before we uh, you know, uh, get off the show here is uh, don't be concerned about the 18 minutes that Whiteside played in the last matchup. Sacramento Kings are going um, hack a Hassan at the very end there in the third and fourth quarters trying to get the call back into the game. Mm-hmm. And um, he uh, was, you know, uh, bench for strategy purposes, basically. Cause... And and he actually got in foul trouble in the first half, too. Right. So he had the double. Yeah, he was benched at the beginning of the game for fouls mm-hmm. and benched at the end of the game so that they couldn't hack him. Right, and I don't think that's really necessarily going to be against a case against a Philadelphia team that he should handle. This could be another triple-double with blocks game with Hassan Whiteside. And I'm going to want some shares of that overall. And I like that you are going to get like 1500 1600-ish off of, off of Drummond if you want to go with that. Um, on the side of that, one quick value play that, you, that, I'll, that I'll discuss here, Jalil Okafor is still going to be in the mix for me. Still very cheap. Still, I mean, he had a, uh, you know, f- first game in, in uh, you know, a while that he, you know, dipped down to 20 fantasy points uh, overall. He's been pretty consistent in paying off this tag here. In the last one, two, three, four, five games, he's gone 5.3x or higher with a 6, a 6.2, and a 7.3. So throw out that Indiana game where they sort of got, that game got out of hand and he didn't get the, if you know, finish out the end of the fourth quarter, with he, you know, he's is almost twenty a game, and he had back to back double doubles before that. So I still think he's safe as a value play. You are you with me? 
Yeah, I would uh, pretty much agree on that. I mean, I have no problem with his offensive game. My biggest beef with him is that he plays no defense. All right, fair enough. Um, and I think that's going to wrap it up there. You know, we can you, if you want to go Robin Lopez, I'm okay with him at 4,500. That's just re- you really don't have a lot of GPP upside. But, you know, if you're desperate, then that's fine. I would probably try to figure a way to get uh, Okafor in there. But those are going to round out our top options for today on the Rotowire DFS podcast. Don't forget you can check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, you can subscribe, give us a rating, let us know you enjoy the show. And don't forget to follow Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and follow me on Twitter at JoshHayesFS. Thanks for listening to The Combo Show, everybody. We'll see you next time. during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.